0: I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service.
1: I'm so excited to bring to you a word today once again on the subject of healing. This is one of my favorite topics to to teach and preach on. Praise God. And, and, uh, you know, probably the reason is that... uh, um, you know, I, I believe that this is near and dear to the heart of God. He wants you hel- healthy. He wants you walking. You know, he, he just doesn't want you. Thank God for healing. When, when we receive miracles of healing, and thank God for that. But in all reality, God's best for your life is for you to not need healing. God's best for your life is, is, is for you to walk and live in health. And, uh, you know, I, I know I can speak for myself that I don't always live up to God's best for my life. You know, I, I, um, the uh, statement that the Apostle Paul made, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, you know, the, the old saying is, I resemble that statement. Uh, well, I, I do. I resemble that statement. I come short of the glory of God. And so if you're looking to see the glory of God, uh, you know, best look at Jesus instead of at me, because He is the glory of God. He is the expression of the glory of God that that came and dwelt on this earth, that Went to the cross that rose again from the dead, that ascended back into heaven, and now he is in us, and the glory is on the inside of us. The apostle Paul said, This Christ in us is the hope of glory. And, and so, you know, if now if you can see beyond this exterior, the glory of God is in me, praise God, the glory of God is in you. Um, but uh. I want to talk today about uh, some things that that we need to understand when it it comes to healing. I mentioned this last week in our part one of this series, that uh, uh, sickness and disease and pain, death, that all came into the world on the heels of Adam's fall, on the heels of Adam's sin. And... uh, uh, it entered into the world, but uh, thank God that just as though one, just as by one man sin entered the world, so by the one man Jesus Christ righteousness came. Praise God, right standing with God, and and when we preach on the subject and teach on the subject of of healing we have to understand <clears throat> excuse me that that sickness and disease and sin are linked together and so if if sin is dealt with then sickness and disease is dealt with and if You know, let me give you an example of that. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. Praise God. One act brought both into the world, and one righteous act by the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with both. Praise God. Uh, Peter said this, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24, he said uh, that in his own body, he, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. So you see, it all came in with, with, with uh, uh, sin came into the world with, with sickness and disease and death on its tail and in the in dealing with sin Jesus also dealt with sickness and disease. Now I don't know where the church ever got the idea that the two were separate. That there were two separate things altogether. No, they are one thing. They came in together. Sin, sickness and disease is just the physical manifestation of sin. And so when he, when Jesus dealt with one, he dealt with the other. So if we can show that Jesus effectively put away sin, we can show that Jesus effectively put away sickness and disease. Praise God. And so we go to the scriptures, and, you know, let, let's, let's begin to equate the two of these together. So I'm going to be talking today, uh, uh, at times it's going to seem like I'm talking about sin, but... Uh, you know, and, and I don't mean sin like uh, I'm going to be shaking my finger and saying, don't you do this or don't you do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what, uh, what the root cause of sickness and disease was and how Jesus dealt with the root cause of it. Praise God. And how did he put that away? Praise God. Because we, I've been told to go and preach good news. Well, if I shake my finger in your face and tell you don't do this and don't do that, there's no good news there. And so I've got to find the good news that relates to that. Praise God. I've got to find the good news that relates to sickness and disease. I've got to find the good news that relates to poverty. You know, I've got to find the good news that relates to this because Jesus said preach the good news. Praise God. Praise God. And so I want you to go in your Bibles to Hebrews, the first chapter, we're going to begin to deal with some things here that, uh, uh, you know, that, that is going to be a revelation to you. I encourage you, make some notes. If you've got a, a, a pen and paper, make some notes. If you do it on your tablet, that's fine. Use that. Whatever you use, make some notes so you can go back and you can study this out And begin to let the Lord bring revelation into your life, praise God, with regard to this. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1. God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past. Now, say this when they say, He spoke in times past. To the fathers by the prophets. He spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Now, let's see. He says that was in times past. So let's go ahead and read on and see what he is doing, what he he is currently doing. Here in verse number 2, it says, He has in these last days, praise God, I said, this is the last days, and He is speaking in these last days, praise God, to us by His Son. He is speaking to us by His Son. Now, notice it did not say He spoke to us or is speaking to us through His Son. In other words, he's, it's, it's not just the red letters in your Bible. If you don't have a red letter edition, you might not know what that means. But you know, in in uh, uh, in your Bible, if you have a red letter edition Bible, the words of Jesus are in red. Okay, so the uh, it doesn't mean that he has spoke to us in the red letters. It doesn't mean it's just the things that came out of Jesus. Physical mouth, but everything about Jesus, every detail about Jesus, God is speaking to us by His Son. Praise God, praise God. See now, for example, in in uh, the Book of Exodus, you know we know the story that uh, uh, there were uh, serpents that came into the camp of the children of Israel, and they bit the children of Israel, and and when they bit them, they would die. And so uh, the Lord gave, told Moses, he said, I want you to make a brazen serpent and I want you to lift it up on a pole in the middle of the camp. And, and everyone who is bitten by a serpent, if they will look at the brazen serpent on the pole, then they will be healed and not die. And so then we see Jesus over in John's gospel, Jesus makes this statement, he says, as uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he says, And if I be lifted up, I will draw all to me. Now, if you're reading, following along in your Bible, you say you misquoted that. Well, no, actually I didn't. uh, Because it says, I will draw all men to me. But the word men is italicized, which means it didn't appear in the original text of the Bible. And so... uh, Literally, what he says is, I will draw all to me. All what to me. And so, uh, if we study the context of that, we find out that Jesus has been talking about judgment. And so, when Jesus said this, he said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all to me. He was saying, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all of the judgment to myself. Praise God. So, Jesus was hung on a cross, and, it, and when he was nailed to the cross, there is law in the scriptures that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, God needed to get him on the cross and lift it up, because when he did that, it caused the full extent of the curse to come upon Jesus. Praise God. And it came upon him, and he says, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all of this judgment to myself. Well, part of the judgment we find in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, says, If you you do not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and keep all these commandments which I command you this day, he says, All of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now, That's what the law said. But then it says that if someone is hanged on a tree, that it would cause the curse to come upon them. Now, Jesus was hung on a tree not because of any wrongdoing of His own, but He was hung on a tree because of our wrongdoing. And therefore, when He was nailed to the tree, nailed to the cross, it caused all of the curse... To come upon him. So Jesus on the cross that day, he became a curse for you. Praise God. And sickness and disease is laid out clearly in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, where it tells us what the curse is. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 tell us what the blessing is, the rest of the verses tell us what the curse is. And, and you get down in about verse. 70-something anyway, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, also every sickness and that is not written in this book of the law. So it says, even if we didn't write it down and name it specifically, if it is a sickness, if it is a plague, if it is a curse, he says that it is included in this curse. And so, let me just say this, the COVID-19 wasn't named in Deuteronomy 28, but it falls under every sickness that was not written in this book of law. So, it was definitely covered. And, and, and we can show the devil plain and clearly, it is right here in black and white. COVID-19 is one that was not named, but every curse that was not named, every sickness that was not named is part of the curse. So it came upon Jesus, even though it had not been invented yet, it came upon Jesus as He hung on the cross, or when He was nailed to the cross, it came upon Him, and He bore it in your place. Praise God. And... Jesus effectively dealt with sickness and disease at its root. Praise God. Now, look at this. He says uh, that God has spoken to us by His Son. So the very fact that Jesus was nailed to the cross, God, by His Son, was speaking to us. Hallelujah. So I want you to hear... What God was saying by His Son. Praise God. Now it wasn't necessarily, remember this, not necessarily the words that Jesus spoke out of His mouth, but everything He did spoke. Every detail about Jesus' life, every detail about Jesus coming into the world, every minute detail was speaking to us by His Son. Praise God. Now, he goes on and he says, Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins. So notice this, by Himself, by His own sacrifice of Himself. You see, it's interesting to note that John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And he as, as he was there in the river, and he looks and he sees Jesus coming, he makes a statement. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, why is that significant? Because John the Baptist's father was Zacharias, the high priest. And because he was a high priest... Therefore, that makes John the Baptist of the priestly lineage according to the Levitical priesthood. So John the Baptist was was part of the Levitical priesthood, and therefore, as a, a, a Levitical priest, John the Baptist made a pronouncement. What did the priest do? The priest took the lamb offering, in and sacrificed it, and carried the blood of that lamb into the Holy of Holies and offered it on the mercy seat of God there in the the tabernacle. Now, John the Baptist, in his priestly ministry, he made the statement, Behold the Lamb of God, or look, here comes the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. So what happened that day, we read in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, not according to the Levitical priesthood. He was a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, we you know I won't go into all the details about him but the bible says that that he was he that jesus according to the order of melchizedek is a priest forever it says that you know the levitical priesthood they came they were born they died and the priesthood was handed down generation to generation but it says that jesus after the order of melchizedek is priest forever by an endless life Praise God. Because Jesus, He died once, and He rose again, and He will never die again. Praise God. He has an endless life. Praise God. So He is a priest according to the endless life. And that day when John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist was handing off to Jesus. The Levitical priesthood, Represented by John, was handing off to the new priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, according to an endless life. He is a priest forever. Now, here's the thing: under the Melchizedek priesthood, or under the Levitical priesthood, let's say, let's do this first. According to the Levitical priesthood, the people would bring a lamb. As as an offering for sin, and the priest would take the blood of that lamb into the Holy of Holies, offer it on the mercy seat of God, and the, the sin of the people would be covered for a year. And then they had to do it again. According to the Melchizedek priesthood, the lamb and the priest are one and the same. Jesus was the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world but he also was the Melchizedek priest who carried his own blood into the holy of holies in heaven and offered it there in the true holy of holies not just a type and a shadow of a tabernacle built by men but it was the true holy of holies the 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 tabernacle here on earth, the holy of holies here on earth, was only a picture built from the pattern of the true holy of holies that was in heaven. Jesus went into the true holy of holies, and he offered his own blood there once and for all. And when he had done that, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because he was finished. Praise God. Because it was done once and for all, another sacrifice will never be needed. It has been done for once and for all. And I like to say this, when it it says for all, it means for all time, but it also means for all people. Praise God. Praise God. Now, God, in these times, has spoken to us by his son. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15, it says, "Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." I say this a lot, but it bears repeating because we got to get a hold of this. We got to understand this. That the dividing line in your Bible is not that page that says the New Testament of Jesus Christ. The dividing line in your Bible is the cross. What happened before the cross versus what is the result being after the cross. Praise God. And so we've got to read, is this talking about something before the cross or is this talking about something after Praise God. Thank God we live in the after. Now, there are things that we find in the New Testament that in the pages of the New Testament that are actually talking about something that was before the cross. Now, we also find things in the Old Testament that are talking about something after the cross. They're they're speaking... Forward, they're prophesying forward of something after the cross. So, anytime you read your Bible, look and see is this talking about something before the cross or something after the cross? And when uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing. The word of truth. We have found the dividing line and we are putting it on the proper side of the dividing line. That's what he's talking about uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so here he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Worker, need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now get this in Hebrews chapter 1. Let's read that verse again. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to our fathers. Is that before or after the cross? It's written after the cross, but it's talking about something before. Because God did something before the cross. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But then he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Is that before or after? That's after. Before he spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but now on our side of the cross, he is speaking to us by his Son. So I will do well to find out what he said by his son. Praise God. Now let me just say this. Jesus came into this world. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house, and he makes this statement. He says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil, for God was with him. Now, Is that before or after the cross? That's actually before Jesus went to the cross, but He's speaking of something that would be after. Praise God. He's speaking of that God, He he is speaking to us by His Son. He's speaking to us by what His Son did. His Son "...went about healing all that were oppressed to the devil, for God was with him." So by the action of His Son, He is speaking to us about something after the cross. Now see, here's what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy says, if you don't do everything in this law, everything. He didn't say just, just some things. Everything, all that is written in this. If you don't do it all... Then he says, these curses will come upon you and overtake you. That's what he said by the prophets. But what he has said by his son is he went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Praise God. Now, here's what he said. You know, if if you don't do this, then this plague is going to come upon you and it's going to continue until you are consumed Speaking by the prophets. But by his son, several times in scripture, we find that Jesus healed them all. Not only did he heal them all, but there came a time when Jesus could no longer get to everyone who needed healing. So Jesus sent out the 12. And what did he tell them to do? You go heal. He didn't tell them to go make somebody sick. He didn't tell them to go uh, execute judgment upon them, you know, and, and pronounce sickness and disease upon them. Jesus never told anybody to do that. He said, you go heal. Whatever city you enter. Notice he didn't even tell them what city to enter. He said, whatever city you enter, there you heal the sick that are there. And you say to them, the kingdom of uh, of heaven has come near to you. Why do you say to tell them that? Because when the kingdom of heaven is near, healing is in the kingdom of heaven. So you go, you tell them the kingdom of heaven has come near to you, and you heal all the sick that are there. Later on, the 12 couldn't get to everybody, so he found 70 more. And he sent them out, and he gave them the same instructions. He didn't even tell them which sick to heal. He just said, whatever place you enter, whatever house, whatever city you enter, if there's sick people there, you heal the sick. He's speaking to you by his son. Praise God. Jesus hung on the cross. God was speaking by his son. I am dealing with sickness and disease and pain. I am dealing by my Son. So hear what is being said by my Son. Praise God. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 2, he says, In these last days he spoke uh, by his Son, through whom also the worlds were made. Now, in Matthew chapter 17, I want to... Relate this story to you how that Jesus took his disciples, three of them, Peter, James, and John, and he took them upon a mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. Now, here in verse number one, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him, talking with Jesus. So the three of them—Moses, Elijah, and Jesus—are standing there talking. Now let, let's see what what are they signifying here? Moses went up on another high mountain called Mount Sinai, and there he met with God, and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain, and he came back down the mountain with two tablets of stone that were engraved by the finger of God, and on those stones were the Ten Commandments or the law. Praise God. So Moses comes down the mountain. Now, the Bible tells us that the law was given... By Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so Moses comes down the mountain as Moses the lawgiver. And he he became eternally known as Moses the lawgiver because he came and he brought those tablets of stone. And then it, said, uh, it goes on and says, Moses and Elijah We're talking with Jesus. Now, who's Elijah? Well, Elijah symbolizes the prophets, the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah went up on another mountain, Mount Carmel, and there he had a confrontation with the prophets of Baal, the false prophets, and he had a confrontation with them, and you know, we, we know the story how that he built an altar, and they said, whoever's God answers by fire, that is the God we're going to serve. And so they agreed, and the, all day long, the prophets of Baal are dancing around the altar and, and, and screaming and crying, and the Bible says they were cutting themselves and, and doing all these kinds of things, and their God never answered by fire. He never answered at all because he's not even a real God. But when it came Elijah's turn, he said, Bring out water. And he says, You, you pour it over the, over the sacrifice, over the altar. You, and he dug a trench around the altar. He said, Fill the trench with with water. And then the God of heaven answered by fire, and he consumed not only the sacrifice not only the wood he consumed the stones he consumed the water he consumed everything and that day elijah said don't let any of these prophets of baal escape and he pronounced judgment upon them and he killed all of the prophets of baal that day and so who is elijah in this story on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see Moses is the law. We see Elijah is the prophet who executed judgment that was written in the law. Now we see the third person who is Jesus. Now let's read on a little bit further and see what else happened. Praise God. This is That Jesus' face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered, and he said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, Peter he wants he, he says this is awesome you know we're standing we're, we're here on this mountain and Moses and Elijah and Jesus are here let's just keep things just like they are let's continue. how do you how how many of you know that God doesn't want you I'll prove it here in just a second. But God doesn't want you listening to Moses and Elijah. He wants you listening to Jesus. Praise God. He spoke in times past to our fathers by Moses and Elijah. But now he's speaking by his son to us. Praise God. Now, says, Lord, it's good for you to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. Let's just stay right here. And sadly to say that a whole lot of churches are right there with three tabernacles. They're right there. They're preaching, they may preach Jesus today, but they might preach Moses and Elijah next week. See, all three are present, and, and, and they're preaching not just the grace of God, but they're preaching the law. Now, let's, let's go on. And it says that while he was still speaking, God didn't even wait for him to get finished. It says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, get this, this is what the voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Notice God did not pronounce his pleasure with the law or the prophets. In fact, the Bible says he found fault with the law. He wasn't well pleased with the law. That's why he didn't say that. He said he found fault with the law. So he says that here the the voice comes out of of the cloud and notice what this voice said. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him, not hear them. He said hear Him. And when the disciples heard it, They fell on their faces and were greatly afraid, and Jesus came and He touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Now what we need to understand from this is Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are all there talking. We already saw this in the Jordan River where the Levitical priesthood, handed off to the Melchizedek priest. Praise God. Now we see Moses and Elijah hand off to Jesus, and it says that they saw no one but Jesus. Praise God, we need to see no one but Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, because when we can see no one but Jesus, see, now here's, here's the deal. Here's what a lot of Christians are doing because they keep hearing Moses and Elijah, therefore, when they become uh, under attack from sickness and disease in their body, they begin to remember not just what Jesus said, but they start remembering what Moses and Elijah said. They start remembering that Moses said that if you don't do everything in this book of the law, then these sicknesses and diseases will, and plagues will come upon you and overtake you. So they begin to question. Now here's a way to identify this. When sickness and disease comes against you, do you start asking, I wonder what I did wrong? You're listening to Moses. When you begin to ask yourself this question, and say, well, you know, did I, did I pray enough? You're hearing Moses. When you say, well, you know, I know I've, I've been real upset with, with uh, my spouse. You know, we, we've been fighting like cats and dogs. You know, you're hearing Moses. When you begin to say, well, here's something a lot of people say. Well, Grandma you know well she was a she was a great person and grandma prayed all the time and grandma loved all of us and grandma uh you know, she went to church every time the doors was open. And, you know, she never had much money, but she gave what she had. And Grandma did this, and Grandma did that. And, gra- and so, therefore, if anybody was going to get healed, Grandma should have got healed, but she didn't. What are you doing? You're listening to Moses. Because Moses was all about what you did or did not do. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be healed. If you don't, if you refrain from doing what I said don't do, then you know, then then you'll be healed. If you don't keep the law, if you don't keep the commandments, then the curse is going to come upon you. You're listening to Moses. If you begin your prayers like this, well Lord, you know, I've really been trying my best. I've really been working hard. I've been been trying so hard to, to do good, you know. Hopefully I've done enough. You listen to Moses. Because that's what Moses said. But God wasn't talking to you by Moses. He was talking to your fathers by Moses. He speaks to you by his son. And his son says, I became a curse for them when I hung on a tree. His son has said that, that I bore your sickness and your disease and your pain in my body on the tree so you wouldn't have to bear it in your body. That's what he said by his son. By his son, he said, it's about what Jesus did, not about what you have done. Many people are trapped in sickness and disease and pain in their bodies and cannot receive their healing because they continue to quote Moses. And according to Moses, they haven't measured up. Praise God. But Jesus bore our sins. He paid for our sins. The penalty for my sin has been paid by Jesus. And so when I come to God, I I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Jesus. Because by Jesus, he said, with his stripes, you are healed. Because of what he did, you are healed. Praise God. Now, let's go on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 12. It says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not look stead- steadily at the end of what was passing away. Notice what he said. He said, they couldn't look at the face of Moses because they couldn't look steadily. He said, it was so glorious. Moses was glorious. There's no denying Moses was glorious. He said, but it was passing away. He said, he had to put a veil over his face so that they couldn't look steadily at that which was passing away. So why are we trying to raise the veil and look and see what's, what's under that veil? Why are we trying to look and see what was passing away? Remember, Moses and Elijah were gone and Jesus was left standing there. Praise God. Why were they gone? Because God didn't want you looking at Moses anymore. He didn't want you looking at Elijah anymore. There was only one that you needed to be looking at, and that one remained. Praise God. It says, he didn't want them to be looking steadily at the end of what was passing away. Let's stop trying to resurrect Moses. Let's look at Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Chapter 17, verse number 5 of Matthew, remember what he said? He said, hear him, not them. Verse number 8. It says, when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Praise God. Now, get this. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 24 it says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, if you remember, when Cain slew Abel and he buried him in the ground, God came and talked to Cain and he said, The voice of your brother is crying out from the earth. Now, what was the blood of Abel speaking? What was it crying out? The blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance. He had been murdered. And the, and, and the blood of Abel says, God, you must avenge me and avenge my blood. But, it's, but here in Hebrews, we read that the blood of Jesus is speaking of better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus is crying out for mercy. The blood of Abel says, God, you must avenge me. The blood of Jesus says, I laid down my life, I shed my blood, and I did it so that you could have mercy upon them. So the blood of Abel demanded vengeance, but the blood of Jesus demands mercy. Praise God. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why am I trying to tell God what I deserve and what I don't deserve? You know, why am I trying to tell him that? Because the blood of Jesus is saying, mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy. I could say, well, you know, I, I, I missed it here. I shouldn't have done that. The blood of Jesus says, mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God, you know, I, man, I knew better than to do that, and I did it anyway. And, and uh, now this has come upon me, and, and the blood of Jesus is saying, mercy. Mercy. Praise God. Praise God. Now 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 11 says do we again begin do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men, clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of our heart, of the heart. Verse number, uh, verse number four. Goes on and reads, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's why the Bible calls the ministry of the law the ministry of death. Because it kills. It demands the punishment and the judgment. But praise God, Jesus, when he was lifted up, he drew all that judgment to himself. So, because he drew it to himself, there there is no more judgment for you. Praise God. The only way that you get to bear the judgment, have to bear the judgment, the only way you have to bear it is if you refuse to accept what Jesus did on your behalf. You see, when we refuse Jesus, we are essentially saying, God, I got this. I'll take care of this, I'll pay for it myself. You know, there's a whole lot of people, they have this attitude. They say, well, I did it, I'll pay for it. Well, you know what? I did it, but thank God Jesus paid for it. And I am smart enough to know that if I want to pay for it myself, I'll spend eternity trying but if I will accept that Jesus paid for it, if I will let him speak to me, praise God, then I see that the judgment fell on him, not on me. Praise God. He voluntarily took my place. Praise God. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 7. It says, but if if the spirit of or if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, no, notice what he called it here. The Ten Commandments, he calls it the ministry of death. And then he goes on, and he says, If it was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious, for if the ministry of condemnation—he calls it the ministry of death the ministry of condemnation—he says if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, for even what was made glorious had no glory in in, in this respect. Because of the glory that excels, for if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, now here's the thing that we got to remember. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. From the law of sin and death hallelujah that's Romans chapter 8 verse number 2 the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death hallelujah so why did Jesus say to the to the one man remember when uh, um, there were four friends that that came and they let their friend down uh, their, who was a paralytic they let him down through the roof they tore the roof off the house and let him down and Jesus said to him he looked at him and he said your sins are forgiven you now why did he say something like that the guy was pro- I, I seriously doubt that the man was there to get his sins forgiven but Do you think that maybe he had this mentality? I deserve this condition that I'm in because of my sins. So when Jesus said your sins are forgiven you. It freed him. To receive his healing. It freed him to rise and take up his bed and walk. As long as he knew about his sins and was conscious of his sins, as long as that was in his, in his mind, he couldn't get up and walk. But when he realized his sins were forgiven, now the thing who that put me here in the first place is out of the way. Now I can rise and take up my bed and go home. Praise God. Well, I'm here to tell you today your sins are forgiven. Did, did you notice that the guy never asked for his sins to be forgiven? He never even mentioned his sins. In fact, we have no record that he ever said anything at all. Jesus just said, sir, your sins are forgiven you. And I believe that there was such a joy that overwhelmed him. That whatever Jesus said, he was going to do it. Because the very thing that has been holding me in bondage has been removed. I'm here to tell you, the thing that has been holding you in bondage, your sins are forgiven you. Well, I didn't confess my sins. I, I've even got some secret sins I've never confessed to anybody. Your sins are forgiven you. you got to believe that Jesus came to forgive your sins. And because he came to forgive your sins, now he'll say to you, go and sin no more. See? But he doesn't wait until you go and sin no more. And, and, and furthermore, you know, according to religion, you've got to prove that you've sinned no more. You know, he you, you can't receive your healing today because you got to walk in this. you gotta, you got to not sin for at least six months. Just to prove that you've really gone to sin no more. Jesus said, before you even admit you have sin, he said, your sins are forgiven you. Praise God. Now, it would do you well to walk in that. It would do you well to go and sin no more. But your sins have been forgiven you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That sounds like somebody who's forgiven the sins of the world, right? Praise God. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now that your sins have been forgiven you, and you have been made aware of that, stop trying to tell God why you deserve it. It's not about deserving it. Praise God. Praise God. It's about what Jesus did before you ever even committed the sin. Hallelujah. Your sins have been forgiven you. Now, I want to lead us in a, I did this last week. We did it at the beginning of the message last week. But I want to lead you in this, praise God. And as we do this, I want you to think about every word that you're saying. i to lead you in a confession. I want you to think about every word that you're saying because I am convinced that if you will say what I'm about to lead you in, and, and you will believe what you're saying, I believe healing is going to take place in the room today. If you're watching online, I want you to say these things because I believe healing is going to come to your house today. Praise God. Praise God. So let's bring it up on the screen if we can. There we go. Say this with me. Deuteronomy, I started with last week's, sorry, (laughs) Deuteronomy said some things, but we're not going to say it today, all right? How about let's start with Romans chapter 8. I declare today, according to Romans 8, 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hebrews 11 says, God spoke to my forefathers by the prophets, but he has spoken to me by his Son. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he said he was well pleased with Jesus. He said, I should hear him, not them. I know the law condemned me to sickness, disease and pain and death but that Jesus was condemned in my place he drew that judgment to himself when he was lifted up on the cross according to John 12:32 Galatians 3:13 confirms that when it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. God speaking loudly by His Son, by the words and actions of His Son, He declared health over me by the fact that He anointed Jesus His Son with the Holy Spirit to heal, says emphatically that He wants me well. The fact that Jesus repeatedly healed but never made anyone sick says emphatically that He wants me well. The fact that Jesus repeatedly healed and never made anyone sick says emphatically that He wants me well. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory was passed to Jesus. And the Law and the Prophets vanished. Peter, James, and John saw no one thereafter but Jesus. I choose to only see Jesus. I will live healthy as I see only Jesus. I choose today to hear Him, not them. Praise God. Father, I thank you today for healing your people. Father, I thank you that healing is ours because of Jesus, because of what He has done. We refuse to look at the law any longer. We refuse to receive the condemnation that is in the law. And we focus on Jesus and what he has done. Lord, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves. And on to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to put your hand on your body wherever you need healing. Whether you're sitting in the room or whether you're online today. I want you to put your hand on your body wherever you need healing. Shoulders, knees, heart, head. Wherever you need healing in your body. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. The healing is ours and provided for us. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I release that healing into everybody. Everybody, every person that will receive it. Now, say this with me. Say, I receive my healing. Praise God. Now, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, First and foremost, and most importantly of all, is that you receive the forgiveness of your sins. We have declared your sins are forgiven, but you have to receive it. You have to accept it. Otherwise, you're going to be trying to pay for what's already paid for. You have to accept the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus bore your sins just like He bore your sickness. And He paid the penalty for your sins, and now he says that if you will believe that, and if you will verbally commit to that, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I want you to, I want everyone to repeat this after me. Say, God in heaven. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. That he paid for my sins so I don't have to pay for them. And I receive the forgiveness of my sin right now. I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. And right now I choose Jesus to be my Lord. And my Savior, thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness of sins.